away scattered the goblins in every direction, into closets, upstairs, into chimneys, up on rafters, and down to the cellars. Curdie went on stamping and slashing and singing, but saw nothing of the people of the house until he came to the great hall, in which, the moment he entered it, arose a great goblin shout. The last of the men-at-arms, the captain himself, was on the floor, buried beneath a wallowing crowd of goblins. For, while each knight was busy defending himself as well as he could, by stabs in the thick bodies of the goblins, for he had soon found their heads all but invulnerable, the queen had attacked his legs and feet with a horrible granite shoe, and he was soon down. But the captain had got his back to the wall and stood out longer. The goblins would have torn them all to pieces, but the king had given orders to carry them away alive, and over each of them, in twelve groups, was standing a knot of goblins, while as many as could find room were sitting upon their prostrate bodies. Curdie burst in, dancing and gyrating and stamping and singing, like a small incarnate whirlwind. "'Where tis all a hole, sir, never can be holes. Why should their shoes have soles, sir, when they've got no soles? But she upon her foot, sir, has a granite shoe. The strongest leather boot, sir, six would soon be through.' The queen gave a howl of rage and dismay, and before she recovered her presence of mind, Curdie, having begun with the group nearest him, had eleven of the knights on their legs again. "'Stamp on their feet!' he cried as each man rose and in a few minutes the hall was nearly empty, the goblins running from it as fast as they could, howling and shrieking and limping, and cowering every now and then as they ran to cuddle their wounded feet in their hard hands, or to protect them from the frightful stamp-stamp of the armed men. And now Curdie approached the group which, in trusting in the queen and her shoe, kept their guard over the prostrate captain. The king sat on the captain's head, but the queen stood in front, like an infuriated cat, with her perpendicular eyes gleaming green, and her hair standing half up from her horrid head. Her heart was quaking, however, and she kept moving about her skin-shod foot with nervous apprehension. When Curdie was within a few paces, she rushed at him, made one tremendous stamp at his opposing foot, which happily he withdrew in time and caught him round the waist, to dash him on the marble floor. But, just as she caught him, he came down with all the weight of his iron-shod shoe upon a skin-shod foot, and with a hideous howl she dropped him, squatted on the floor, and took her foot in both her hands. Meanwhile the rest rushed on the king and the bodyguard, sent them flying, and lifted the prostrate captain, who was all but pressed to death. It was some moments before he recovered breath and consciousness. "'Where's the princess?' cried Curdie again and again. No one knew, and off they all rushed in search of her. 